When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Get me hype, Paulie. Keep McPherson on the fan. A five-hour KM to AM. Right back at it. Inside the 10 o'clock hour, coming up, Ted Wynn from The Athletic talking NFL. We'll break down the X's and the O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Call the show. I'm getting right back to the phones these guys have been holding. Ross is in Bergen County. Ross is on the fan pretty much every day. What's up, Ross? Hey, what's going on, Keith? How you been? Good, man. Uh, watching the Knicks. The Knicks decided to turn it on. They're not ready to take an L on the road. They're right in there in the fourth quarter. The Devils win. The Rangers win. Uh, Rangers, yeah. Told y'all that the Chiefs were going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, real quick, a couple things. I, I mean, I just got back from work, so you know, I apologize if I get to anything you covered already. Real quick on the basketball, yeah, I see the Knicks uh, – you know, making it a game. You see, Wembin Yamag has a triple double with with uh, double digit blocks. You know, instead of rebounds. I mean, that's absurd, man. I'm not into the Wemby stuff. Honestly, I watched not... I watched the game against the the Nets, and I'm like, this guy is odd. It's strange watching him play basketball. He's got the talent, but I mean, he's built like a toothpick. I don't know if you saw. I think it was Dallas. He, he rolled. It was like Durant's debut. He I don't, yeah, out of the, I... the wet floor. One one wrong gust of wind and he misses a game. But the talent there, I don't even know if it's the talent. He's built like a, he's built like Yao Ming. So I mean, the blocks. People you know, love him. I mean, he he seems like a, a circus act right now. They're losing <laughs> games. I don't know. I'm not in on the Wemby stuff. He's he's there odd. He's an odd watch for me right now. Hey man, and speaking of uh, aliens, how about Igor getting his first shutout since the pyramids were built? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jesus I saw he tried Christ, to score man. too. You look at. You want to talk about? I, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, if he that went in the net, he'd be, you know, him and Kaka would be would be tied with goals up here. You want to talk about another train wreck? I'm about to go down the list. You want to talk about uh, Frank the Tanker? I'm like, so how about today? I don't know if you saw the clip. Of walking, course, I uh, did. You know, both, both those guys are having uh, having the trouble putting the one foot in front of the other. You saw the clip with the Flames. You know the one I'm talking about. Today? Oh no, I thought you were talking about the Francesa oh, no, clip no, no, with no. Frank. Oh well, yeah. I mean that one, dude. I, I, you don't even know. I mean, I'm like the, you know, the Star Wars, the, the Star Wars Swifties, when the new Disney movie came out, camping out, you know, with the stormtrooper mask. That's what I am on on the X platform, <laughs> waiting for the Francesca Frank video. That you don't even know, bro. I'll buy the, you know, rent due, the check marks, anything. That video can't come soon enough. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw the video today they put out. Uh, long story short, you know, Frank does these walks now every day, and he notices that apparently they actually met Mika. They walked, you know, they they came across Mika, but they also came across a whole crowd of players that Frank apparently thought were had, were also uh, rostered Ranger players, but wound up being the Calgary Flames that were, you know, walking through town, and and Frank was like heckling them, making fun of, you know, the game seven losing in the first round to some of the Calgary players, you know, former former Devil Yegor Sharon Govich, Kevin Rooney, but they were confused as hell. Oh, I see it realize. now. So, the like, Calgary the Flames out. quote tweeted it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, the, their account tweeted. Jesus Christ, man, what a disaster. Frank tells the New York <laughs> Rangers he enjoyed Game 7 last year. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to watch this during the break. 
Dude, it's it's funny. He's the gift that keeps on giving. They 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 drove out him, uh, Jenks, Mikey Best. They got a whole crew now. They drove out to Vegas. They were doing streams and everything, and they're just. I'm uh, happy for Frank. They're man. too funny, man. Frank, no, man, uh, he's, li- he's living the dream. He goes to hot dog places. He's doing these walks now. He had JJ Watt doing it. Now he's got the poke. Who knows? He's got a long way. They're sponsoring videos of him doing walks. I think they had like number. Barstool is putting him to in crowd. the forefront. I saw the video of Barstool announcing their DraftKings merger or whatnot yeah. and frank was in there I'm, frank is a jersey guy frank is a guy that has come on my show at least four maybe five times before i was on wfa and i ran into frank at city field um i oh, see wow, him at yeah, the rock awesome. he's a real fan it's funny that he's such a like rain man type with his sports knowledge but like now he has become like a not not lying like an icon in this area for sports so i'm not mad at it Dude, the funniest thing, too, is and I'll get to the Super Bowl in a second, but going down this rabbit hole, he, the funny thing is, the negativity, I mean, listen, he, he makes, you know, I'm negative, you know, Joe and Clark, shout out him. Man, he's it's part of his stuff. brand, he and he does it, it to another level. He does it and he's better right than anybody. Nine times out of ten, he's right. Dude, I, That's the Rain Man-ism. Like, a lot of times, it, like, if you, if you listen through Dude. the yelling and the biting of his shirt and stuff, he's actually he's saying Netflix, some real Dude. stuff. But no, which I swear to God, man, I'll try to find the tweet. I'll at you. There was a Tyler McGill's like a Wednesday night start against Pittsburgh. When I tell you, he was maybe one strikeout or one hit away from getting the snap. No, I remember he week. almost exactly like called his third. line. <laughs> it's it's funny as hell, man. Listen, he's a, he's a, one of the better Twitter followers out there. You know, he's got all the series, everything. You can't keep up. Keep up. With he's going to be too big now. He's going to be too big of a star now. Yeah, he's going to Hollywood. He's going Hollywood. On you know, it's funny too. I uh, I had him on my Talking Nets podcast years ago, and um, mm-hmm. I mentioned him again recently because now he's a Knicks fan. And with OG getting hurt, you know, the conversation about the video of him being a Knicks fan and grabbing OG's arm, whatever. And I had a, a Talking Nets fan reach out to me, and they were like, "Bro, like I've been following you and, and and listening to you. We knew Frank was a fraud when you had him on your show. He didn't know who Spencer Dinwiddie was." And I was like, yo, I forgot about that. So, like, as much as he has this Rain Man ability to recall things in sports, I don't think he was ever really that much he, of a Nets fan. You can say what you want about that, but the baseball knowledge, he, did you see that video we had? Uh, in our the, about the, the World Series? He can recall he every World every Series. every single World Series matchup, winner and loser, by year. Because there was an MLB tweet out of video. Some kid just named, I think, the winners. Or something, or like just the matchups are just the winners. But I think he he took it to another level. He tweeted every year, every winner, loser, and like the amount of games it went to, or something. Incredible. And he does the grids. He posts these like immaculate grids. He'll get like fours and fives. I remember on the road trip they did a video. The one guy gave him a wrong answer and it ruined his whole week. He started singing and he goes, he, you know, Mr. Brightside is like he's got some vendetta again. Dude, I, you know, my voice cracked there. But anyway, man, he's he's just funny as hell, man. But uh, <laughs> all in all. You want to talk about, you know, as we segue to the Super Bowl. Listen, man, you brought up, it wound up, wound up in a classic. It went from people uh, bringing up 2018-13-3. You see Patriots-Rams. Yep. You know, that was getting brought up up until Usher took the field. And, you know, you look back at it, wound up being the second Super Bowl ever to go to go to OT. I think it was, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I think they, they shattered the, the field goal record, I think, three times uh, last night. They had the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. I think yeah, perfect I conditions. Think had it and then I should have bet more on, on, on both the kickers to be uh, over their, their point totals. 
Yeah, I mean, well, it's fair. You know, Bucker's automatic. And Moody, you see what you want about the long field goal? Wound up being, he's saying, about, you know, a bunch of ways. And, you know, butterfly effect and all that. But Moody doesn't have that extra point block. There's no need for overtime. That's what it was right. in 2019. I think the final is. Uh, yeah, because it was 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, listen, all in all, you brought up Greenlaw before you want to talk about, you know, the second that happened. You know, I think the story, I think I'm, I don't want to speak something falls into existence, but I think he was, like, homeless for something, and he had, like, a, a rough upbringing, so you kind of see he had the first crack, obviously, now, but him, you brought up before, sometimes pumping yourself up too much, you know, kind of, you know, life comes at you fast, you, you know, the second it happened, I didn't even think of Diaz into the WWE uh, faithful, GM Punk recently, and then Vince McMahon a couple years back, the first thing that came to mind was Aaron Rodgers with the U.S. flag and Thunderstruck playing in the background. Now, obviously, you know, that was four plays in, where Greenlaw was, like, halfway through the first, but listen, man, you want to talk about, you know, freak accents like that. You can't even blame the turf you brought up. You know, they, they, the minute after 57 was done, that field became a priority because of, you know, the slip and slide last year's field was. You know, they were making sure this year's was to a T and, you know, something like that. Obviously, you see him juicing himself up on the sideline and, you know, two seconds later, they're huddled around him. So it's yep. just, just crap like that you can't make up. But it's tough. Oh, no, man. Like you said, second half completely turned, you know, turned the story around with that game. And we'll look back at it. Like you said, Mahomes. Listen, this is stuff Brady and Brady didn't even do in this first. I heard Jerry brought up this morning. You know, you kind of look at uh, Brady's story like the front and back of a book. You know, he had the first three, the kind of that ten ten year or so gap, and then he won the last three, and then obviously the Tampa one. This Brady wasn't doing this through the first half. No, of his career. nobody, nobody was. It's, it's, Thanks for the call, Ross. Nobody has had a start to their NFL career like Mahomes. He's already got the greatest start in NFL history, and as I've already said, that Super Bowl Fifty Eight was a classic. Um, it's put out there, right? It's the most watched telecast in history. 123.4 million people. The most watched telecast. Not just game. The most watched telecast. Let's get one more call in from Max in Brooklyn before we bring in our guests. Hey, Keith. How you doing, bro? Good. Thanks for calling. Good, good. Um, one of the callers earlier um, mentioned that, uh, that uh, what's the name, uh, Pat Mahomes is going to be is actually better than Brady. And... He had the he has the best start to NFL career ever, but I think that Holmes. The thing is, if let's say he ends up getting those other four or five wins that he needs to be around Brady's, maybe as good as Brady, next couple of Super Bowl wins, and he's still always going to be the Brady won him in the Super Bowl. So. Right, I, but he I, always has that towards him. Absolutely, great call. I, I added that earlier because that came out of Mahomes' mouth. Right, he's been the six AFC championships. He lost to Burrow, but the other two times that he didn't end up getting to the Super Bowl and winning it, right, or he he got to the Super Bowl. Excuse me, he ended up winning three out of the six Super Bowls. One time he was knocked off by Burrow in the AFC Championship. Another time he was knocked off by. Patriots Tom Brady in the championship. And then the other time that he got through to the Super Bowl, he lost to Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So he looks at it as, how am I going to be better than the GOAT if the GOAT can always hold over me? Hey, we're in different eras, but when we overlapped, I beat you head to head. I don't think he's going to get to seven rings, but what do I know? I also don't think that he's going to need to get to seven rings if they're already calling him the GOAT. All right. We got to bring in my guest right now, covering the NFL from the Athletic. Joining us on the fan, it's Ted Wynn. What's up, Ted? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. 
Appreciate you making the time, man. I, I think I just was looking for football guys, and obviously Mike Golick is uh, a football guy, former player, and we can talk about the themes and all the narratives and, uh, you know, the Jimmys and Joes, but I'd like to talk to you more about the X's and O's and not just the Jimmys and the Joes. And uh, that's what you do. So, I mean, I guess tell the folks that may not be familiar with you here in New York uh, what your job is, what you do, what your expertise is, working at The Athletic. Yeah, so I, I specialize in film breakdowns. So I'll, I'll, you know, break down to all 22 and uh, really talk about the strategy behind every play and uh, I'll look at analytics. And um, I, I think I, I do a good job of blending the analytics and um, film work to try to paint a different picture of the game and give fans a different perspective. Yeah, and I think that's necessary. I feel like... Football is the most popular game, but there are so many things in the game that just aren't seen to most people. And, I mean, if you played the game, I think it gives you a, a layer of understanding. If you've been in a film room, I think it helps. But, like, I, you know, 22, the All-22 film is available to all of us. Anybody can get, uh, you know, a, a membership to be able to watch that, and that really tells the truth. So when we look at this Super Bowl, obviously the first narrative, and you mentioned analytics, the first narrative and the leading narrative is around Kyle Shanahan, him taking the ball in overtime, and people saying, oh, well, analytics tells him this, this, and this. I mean, I think it's split. But what did you see that determined that overtime on film? I mean, obviously there were some play calls and some some things that they didn't do, but what did you see from your eye reviewing the overtime um, and the decision to go for it or, or the decision to take the ball in overtime with the Niners? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's pretty 50-50, and, you know, I can see both sides of the argument. So, you know, I I think we're a very results-orientated, um, you know, <laughs> species. So, uh, obviously, um, the Niners losing that game, most people are going to turn on Shanahan for making that decision. But I, I, he gave a pretty good reason um, why he did also. He also said that, uh, the, the Niners' defense was pretty gassed at that point, so he wanted to give them a break. So I, I, I think those, that's a legitimate reason to take the ball first, and you know, being able to have that first sudden death if there was a tie situation was another reason why uh, they they decided to take the ball. Uh, but but watching a film, um, you know, it just came down to uh, red zone offense, and um, throughout most of the game, uh, both defenses were playing pretty well in the red zone, forcing each team to kick a field goal. And um, in the end, the Chiefs defense was able to uh, force the, the Niners to uh, kick a field goal. And um, on that third and four on the 11-yard line, um, Spags called a six-man blitz. He was being aggressive all day. And uh, I think the one – you know, there's a lot of reasons why people are criticizing Kyle Shanahan that I, I don't really agree with, but – I think if you are, you know, were to be critical, I didn't love the the call on that final call. Um, they had a, a route to Dwan Jennings against Jalen Watson. Um, ended up being wide open against man coverage, but on the play they had a play action concept, and they had a kind of a really complicated play action uh, protection that kind of busted. Uh, they let Chris Jones and a linebacker go straight at Purdy, and he didn't have mm-hmm. time to get the ball. To um, to Jennings, so you know I think in that situation, play action was unnecessary on third and four. Um, just you know, get into a straight drop back game and get the ball to Jennings, and maybe that's on Purdy for not changing the protection 
at the line of scrimmage, but um, they just made things a little uh, unnecessarily complicated in that um, red zone area, and it led to two free runners at Purdy, and in the end, they couldn't get it done. They kicked a field goal, and as we know, you can't kick field goals against uh, Patrick Mahomes. He came down and led the uh, Chiefs on the game-winning drive and ended the game. Yeah, you said a couple things there, and I got to try and you know keep it short and ask you the actual question. But you know, Mahomes versus Purdy—that's another topic. And Mahomes is just on a different level as a quarterback, as far as seeing a defense, getting in the right protection, knowing where to go with the ball, whatever it is. And in his second year, Brock Purdy isn't there yet, but I think he's going to evolve. A ton of people want to say, "See, he's a game manager. He couldn't—he couldn't get him over the hump. He couldn't get." The ball to, you know, Jawan Jennings on that play. Or, you know, there was another play Ayuk was open. And, so you know, I, I, I saw he left some meat on, on the bone. But what I want to ask you about is Chris Jones and his effect. Like, I, I feel like you can't say uh, one thing about Purdy and what he wasn't able to do without giving credit to Chris Jones and how he affected the game. Man, this is a guy that they didn't have week one because of, uh, you know, issues with his contract or whatnot. This is a guy that completely wrecks wrecks the game on defense on that defensive line, and I know you got a, a front row seat watching him and uh, seeing what he did. So, can you speak to us about the effect of number ninety five, Chris Jones, on that offensive line and Brock Purdy last night? Yeah, I mean, Chris Jones is one of the most important pieces of this whole Chiefs dynasty. I mean, if you remember the the first time the Chiefs and Niners played in the Super Bowl, he made some game changing plays late in the game, tipping the uh, past that, you know, past that line of scrimmage, and then in this game, he was incredible. I mean, there was just there's three or four plays where he wrecked the play by himself right. as a defensive tackle. Um, you know, just a couple plays that I remember off the top of my head. There was a boot play where he read the play, and um, he did he disrupted the play by making Brock Purdy have to like do a whirly bird around and throw the. Uh, ball to Juwan Jennings, eight yards behind the line scrimmage, and ended up being eight yard loss. And then there's another play in overtime where they had a nice play drawn up for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there was a screen play where Brock Purdy threw it underhand. It looked like he had a lane, but Chris Jones read it and tackled McCaffrey for um, no no yards. So it, it was a, it was one of the most impactful defensive performances um, you know that I can re- remember in the postseason and. Um, I mean, if you're, you know, Veach or the, the Chiefs um, GM and, and uh, ownership group, you know, I think you got to take a long look at uh, <laughs> paying Chris Jones what he wants. Mahomes, Mahomes is going to restructure his contract so they can keep Chris Jones. Yeah, I mean, he, he's that impactful. I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine a guy having a game like that and just letting him go after. Yeah, but I also know that uh, in the NFL, when you win the Super Bowl, Everybody comes trying to take pieces of your team away, and he is going to be highly sought after, and it's going to probably be hard for him to turn down big money from a team that can afford to offer him. But I know he has an allegiance to the Chiefs, to Arrowhead. I specifically remember him last year taking offense to the whole uh, Cincinnati mayor, talking about Burrowhead Stadium and, uh, you know, Joe Burrow being uh, Patrick Mahomes' dad and all that nonsense, like Chris Jones was pissed off about that. And here they are, back-to-back champs. Um, another question I wanted to ask you, right? When I watched when I watched the Kansas City offense, and when I, or not Kansas City offense, the San Francisco 49ers offense, early in that game, what they're able to do with Kittle, with Juszczyk, right, those guys are a problem. Because, uh, I mean, they can line Juszczyk up as a running back, fullback, 
as a slot, as a tight end. I mean, they use a ton of motion to throw you off their scent. I feel like in the beginning, that first drive, they had it all going. And there's a lot of people talking about, oh, they went away from the run late in the game, late in the game. And I say, yeah, that happens late in the game. Because now you're up against the thought of losing. You don't have a 10-point lead anymore. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is coming. What did you see from the start of the game and their offense obviously rolling until, you know, McCaffrey put the ball on the ground? But what did you see from what they were trying to do to the Chiefs in the beginning of the game to ultimately at the end of the game where it didn't work and the Chiefs stood tough in overtime? Yeah, I mean, all year the Niners' superpower has been their versatility out of 21 personnel, which is mm-hmm. their two back, one tight end, two receiver set. Um, so if team if a defense decides to play base personnel against them, which means they only have four defensive backs on a field, um, then they're able to spread out from their 21 personnel. And like you said, line up use check and receiver, line up a Catherine in a slot and really punish you with mismatches that way. And, and create big plays off of um, through the air, and that, that's been their superpower throughout the entire year. And if teams try to line up light, like with their nickel or dime set, then they'll run the ball and, and punish you that way. Um, so the Chiefs came out and they decided, you know, we're going to stop the run. They're going to come out in base personnel and really load the box and stop the run. And uh, for for most of the game, they did out of uh, base personnel in the, in the first half. Um, they only had five carries for 11 yards they did a pretty good job of stuffing the run with their base personnel um so the you know with the Niners identity all year if you trot out that base personnel we're going to try to uh beat you with the pass and um, that's what they did in the second half but it's not like they completely went away from the run they got into some negative uh yardage situation where you know they had penalties on first down where uh, they got to second or third and long where they had to pass so um, I, I don't think there's a valid criticism that um, they really went away from the run. I think, you know, Christian McCaffrey still had um, 30 carries from what I remember. I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me or close to it. Um, so I, I don't think they uh, abandoned the run. They, you know, some of the situations kind of uh, played out where they had to pass. And part of their identity is creating those explosive pass plays if you try to take away the run. Yeah, uh, CMC had 22 carries, and that's exactly what it is. Like th- This is why I'm having you on, because I know you watch the film and I think it's easy for people to get carried away with the narratives. Like, see, see, he did the same thing when he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Falcons. They abandoned the run. They didn't run it enough. CMC should have had the ball. Well, hey, when you're calling plays, you're not really dialing up run plays to get you third and long, second and long, uh, seven, eight yards. There are certain situations where you have to throw the ball because of the analytics and the percentages of you to find success throwing the ball downfield. Um, here's another one for you. I, I had to take... That some people disagreed with, but I think people just, you know, they, they took it the wrong way. I talked about Dre Greenlaw. I talked about the fact that he talked a big game before the game, saying how the last time the Niners lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, he was a rookie, and how he's not a rookie anymore, and how everyone's going to have to see him. That whole team's going to have to see him. And when I saw him make that first tackle on Jarek McKinnon to, uh, you know, force a three and out and get the Chiefs off the field, he was so amped up in his celebration. He pounded the turf, almost hit McKinnon in the head, and, like, ran and flexed. And immediately he caught my eye because I'm like, this is the Super Bowl. He's got to turn it down a notch. It's a long game ahead. And also, he's going to put the target on his back with the Chiefs where they're going to come looking for him. Before that could even uh, get going, he ends up getting so hyped up re-entering the field that he doesn't re-enter the game again. He he tears his Achilles coming back from the sideline. He He was too hyped up. He wasn't controlling his emotions. 
I saw on your Twitter that you wrote, hey, the, the 49ers are extremely thin at linebacker. Greenlaw is one of the best linebackers in the league. This is going to hurt the Niners' pass run defense. And that's what I immediately thought in my notes because I've credited Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner as a tandem, as being the best tandem of linebackers in the league, in my opinion. When you have those two, like they can wreck everything. What did you see? Because you obviously knew in real time when you tweeted it out at 738. What I knew and what a lot of people knew that, hey, they're going to be be vulnerable. And then I saw a tweet go out that they targeted um, the backup, o- Oren Burks, nine times. The ball was completed nine times. It was 134.7 passer rating when targeting this guy. And PFF gave him a grade of 32 in coverage. That right there was a big mistake by Greenlaw. Obviously, you can't predict injuries, but what did you know from your film study and seeing right there that you tweeted out in real time and then it actually came to life? Yeah, yeah I've watched Greenlaw play a long time, and um, he's made so many impact plays through the playoffs, even late in games where, um, you know, I've talked to him where he, he kind of just starts figuring out the, the offense and kind of understanding what they're trying to do late in games, and he makes a big interception or, or a big tackle, so just not having – that presence late in game was huge for them. And part of the way that teams were attacking the Niners were they were trying to get that third linebacker on the field. They were trying to get heavy personnel and get the, the San Francisco nine, uh, 49ers to have to get out of their nickel and put their, that Oren Burks, their third-string linebacker, on the field. And then they take advantage of him um, with the passing game. Um, so they didn't have to do that anymore after Greg Greenlaw was hurt because Oren Burks was already automatically in the game. So. Right. Um, you know, they didn't have to put out their base personnel to, to try to force him on. They just, he was on a field and they decided to pick on him and they picked on him nine times for, um, I think 130 yards, something like that. And, uh, they're pretty successful at it. So Greenlaw was a huge loss and, um, it just hit the Niners in a position where they're particularly thin and very top heavy. Ted, you're the man. I appreciate your expertise, your knowledge, and, uh, I got to stay tuned and, and keep following you. I just followed you. We're talking to Ted Wynn from The Athletic. He's at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. He watches the All-22 stuff. He knows his football stuff, the X's and the O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Thanks for joining my show, Ted. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Play fake. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Good song, Paulie. I got five on it. I got $5 on Venmo for every New York Knicks. That gets fined after the game tonight. Keep McPherson on the fan. That just bothered me so much because that's exactly what I have a problem with in all sports, specifically the NFL. And you hear me all the time say the NFL is bogus. The NFL is bogus. The officiating is bogus. They can affect the game. And they stayed out of the the way last night in the the Super Bowl for the most part. But, of course, I'm watching the end of this Knicks game. And before we went to break, you heard me say, was that a two? Was that a three? Does that tie the game? Does that take the lead? And boy, did I run into a plot twist that I was not expecting. 877-337-6666. And I know there are going to be some Knicks fans with something to say about how this game just ended in Houston. Houston wins 105-103 on some absolute nonsense. You don't have to be a Knicks fan 
to feel a way about this. You don't have to even be an NBA fan to feel a way about how this game ended. So I'll I'll tell you, you know, as best as I can, if you didn't see, Jalen Brunson goes down, scores the basket to make it 103-103. And then the Rockets get the ball. And on a three-point shot, Jalen Brunson goes up to contest. And they call a foul with like 0.3 seconds left in the game. And I'm not sure who it was who hoisted up the three-point shot for Houston. It does not matter. But either way, they call a foul on Brunson. The game can't end on a foul. But that was a bogus foul call. They show the replay. You can't call a foul on that. And they were trying to debate whether the contact happened before the buzzer sounded or not. I need to pull up the video. But either way, I didn't see a foul. I didn't see contact. It was a phantom call. And they literally should be playing in overtime right now. And the NBA officials being that bad at their job, not being able to see what's right in front of them, physically in the arena on the floor, just stole a game from the Knicks in favor of the Houston Rockets. Aaron Holiday was the guy who shot the ball. This is going to be talked about all night into tomorrow because this is not cool. It's not cool at all. Like, there has to be a rule to say, now they're showing me the replay I want. There has to be a rule to say, no, come on. He didn't even touch him. Like, I, I I thought his chest made contact with his offhand. Okay, I guess a little bit, but that can't be, I mean. Minimal contact. And the, the weird, bad part for the, uh, one, Thibodeau has no challenges left. Apparently, I wasn't totally locked in. He had no challenges left, so he can't challenge it. Second, on a replay, they check to see how much time is left, but you can't overturn a foul call. Right. Which brings the point. What the hell is the point of replay? You can't reverse the if call and get it right it. anyway. That is the problem in sports. Why the hell do we have the technology, the 4K cameras, the slow-mo to see exactly what happened, but we can't change it? There's a rule to say that we can't change it. What's the point of having it then? I remember years ago when I was a kid and we didn't have that ability and it's just, oh, you just live with it. Human error, that's what's called. No, you got to fix that. They should be in overtime playing to see who actually wins the game. Instead, the game ends on a foul call, and the, the Knicks can't challenge it, and the Knicks lose a game. Now, that's going to loom large, especially if you're one game behind the Cavs, the Sixers, the Celtics for seeding. I don't know, man. That just It rubs me the wrong way to see uh, guys go out there and fight like that and get hoed like that with the technicality. Every New York Knicks should be fine tonight speaking on that. And this is how change happens, right? This is how the NBA Rules Committee, similar to the NFL Rules Committee, can go to the, back to the drawing board in the offseason and say, hey, hold on. Here's the example we have. We had Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, which is our modern-day Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. And Josh Allen didn't get the opportunity to get on the field touch the ball and potentially win the game. We got to change the rules so that in the playoffs and maybe even the Super Bowl one day, this can't happen. They need to change the rules where that can't happen. The game can't end on a phantom call where the other team doesn't have timeouts or any challenges. Like that is something that we all just saw and it's egregious. It's not right. 
And like I said, I got five on. I got five dollars for the uh, the Knicks fans that are going to pay for the fines. The Knicks got money; they don't need our money. But I, I just saw them, you know, flashing all the Knicks fans in the crowd that went from yeah to we came back and tied it. We're going to overtime now. <gasps> Wait, what? That's how the game is going to end? They got hoodwinked, bamboozled. They just got jobbed. The Knicks just got jobbed. Sean is out in San Diego. I guess he watched the game. Sean, you're on the fan in New York. The National Bogus Association. <laughs> freaking believable Keith. I mean, are you out of your mind? Did that guy have a plane to you catch? You can't do that. I mean, what the hell is going on yeah, here, man? Yeah. I don't know how these guys live with themselves calling the game. But there's yeah, nothing I mean, they can are do, they I even guess. calling the game? I mean, what, what was that, a makeup call? Because uh, homeboy on the, um, on the, uh, the Houston got – he had that sick-ass jam – and they didn't call the foul on him. He was fouled. What is that? And now you're making you up. You can't the, have a makeup call. That's the, you got to know as a, a ref. The game is there's no time left. You can't. The, I don't know. This the is way, bad. How much did people freaking pay to be in that stadium? They want to see the overtime. Right. What are you doing, refs? Come right. on, man. This is still an entertainment product. At the end of the day, and the place is half empty anyway, and people are still paying top dollar. I mean, come on, man. If you're a Knicks fan and you maybe travel there or you're like, uh, you know, in the diaspora of New York and you only get to see the Knicks in Houston once a year, that's how you get repaid by the NBA? No, that's just bogus. It's not It's not good for the league. It's not good for either team. Um, I, I'm interested to see. Thanks for the call, Sean. I'm interested to see what they talk about in the post game. I can't have the volume on in here, but I'm sure there's going to be a protest. I'm I'm sure that they're going to speak on it. Brunson was visibly upset. I mean, Tibbs was was losing his mind. I mean, understandably so. Brunson's dad had something to say about it. That is so bogus to see a game end that way. That they have to eliminate that. Rob is out in Brooklyn. Next up on the fan, I'm guessing you saw that as well. Hey, what's going on, Keith? It's Rob from Woodmere. How you doing, man? I'm good. I, I was gonna keep talking about the Super Bowl, but I just watched that, and that like that that can't happen. No, this is listen. I've been watching the NBA for 40 years. This is the most ludicrous call I have ever seen in my entire life. And this is this this better be what what Tip says when he goes up there. Okay, they have to have some guts. He has to go up there and say that ref needs to be investigated. He needs to be fined. This yeah. is the reason There's that a whole nother angle to this with the gambling, Rob. <laughs> exactly. This is what he has to say. He has to say, this is the reason that the NBA is thought to be, to be fixed sometimes. When people pull garbage like that. Because you cannot watch that and not think that that ref is getting paid. And he's going to get fined, but he better have the guts to say that. Because if he doesn't, then he also has, he's just as bad as the rest. Yeah. There is no way you could review that. Forget the first ref that makes the call. There is no way you could review you got... that and not think that that's garbage. Yeah. That is the biggest garbage that, I, It's I've a technicality. There's nothing that they could do. There's no challenges. They, they can't wave it them. off. You call the foul. That's how the game ends. But that's bogus. Thanks for the call, Rob. Uh, my guy, Bronx925, said Houston minus one and a half. Houston wins by two. Was that the spread? <laughs> this is not good. It's not good. It's not good. A lot of people bet the Knicks, and they lost on that play. That's bogus. I mean, the NBA has had referees that were gambling and throwing games and whatnot. <laughs> like, that's not good.
This is this is now going to dominate all NBA conversations the rest of the night. And uh, I mean, I, I got to take my Super Bowl calls just to clear them, but I know we're going to talk about the Knicks. Josh is in Passaic on the fan. What's up, Josh? Good, Keith. How are you? I'm good. So first, with that Knicks game, I just saw with my father. What do you think's more, BS, Ben Simmons or that call just now? <laughs> uh, that call right now. Uh, Brunson didn't really, like, it's just stupid. I'm watching the replay. It wasn't like he affected the shot. It was a terrible shot. It was a shot put chuck of the ball. And they call that foul knowing you don't call that foul. You don't you don't call that foul with, with, with the buzzer. They literally simultaneously called that as the buzzer was sounding. You don't do that. Do your job. You don't do that. You don't do that. I'd rather have seen them go to overtime and that be a no call than the game end on that bogus call with the guy getting free throws to knock down two out of three and, and cover the spread in favor of the Houston Rockets. That's absolute nonsense. Yeah, I do wonder what's going to come out of that because had, even if that is a foul, which obviously wasn't, how do you blow that whistle? Right? They they had the first shot right where, where Chua blocked it, and then they killed the thread where he and chucked I, it up. That's so what like, I, the play already pretty much happened. They were just throwing it up off the catch. That's what I say about these refs, whether it's in the NFL, NBA, right? We always hear, we just heard about like uh, Tony Snell from the NBA trying to get back on a contract so he has his 10-day serve. I bet you there's a bunch of brothers that played in the NBA that aren't employed right now. Can they referee? Can they run up and down the floor? Do they know what's happening while it's happening? Can they be refs and, like, eat that whistle at the buzzer? You don't make that call. It's the same thing in the NFL. I feel like there are people that are not cut out to be on the field, on the floor, officiating these games in those moments, especially in the NBA. I feel like these guys have the best seat in the house, and sometimes they're paralyzed in the moment. They don't know whether to make the call, not make the call. That's a call you don't make. In a tie game where they're about to go to overtime, you do not make that call as the buzzer sounds to put that guy on the line for three unless it's an obvious foul call, and that wasn't obvious. It was phantom. You know, that means they're always talking about this. Ever since, like, James Harden, you know, they're being less, um, less, Strict on the fouls. I'm like, you saw that game with the, with the Warriors. I don't know if you saw that Saturday night, right? They're not calling fouls and Nurkic and Green are slamming into each other. Let it play out. That's what the fans want to see. Yeah, but with the game on the line. Uh, right, uh, so uh, much more so. A, a BS chuck of a three. You're going to call a foul on Jalen Brunt. Like, I don't know, man. It just, nothing, none, none of it looks right. It, something is fishy. And uh, that one is in the books now. 105-103 Rockets. And I guess they covered that. One and a half point spread. I got to pull up what the spread was, but that just it rubs me the wrong way. I love sports, and and it, it, the the sports should not be in the hands of these regular pedestrians that are handed the opportunity to call the game, and they that guy just blew the game. He completely blew the game. Okay, speaking of spreads, before I get uh, quickly to the Devils, I can't believe the you know the Celtics are only favored by nine and a half tomorrow. You got to hit up that. Line, right? Guys, Cam Thomas, I think, is out with some injury I've never even heard of, and then the Celtics yeah. are pretty much the number one team. So it's also it's also part of this stupid home and home thing that they've been doing in the NBA the last couple of years. It's a back to back where they'll play the Celtics. The Brooklyn Nets will play the Celtics tomorrow night in Brooklyn, and then they'll go up to TD Garden Wednesday night and play them there. You, I don't expect the same guys to play in a back-to-back. This is the NBA. But I, I also don't know why exactly the NBA started doing this. Maybe because of the in-season tournament. I don't like it at all. I don't like playing the same team on a back-to-back in a home-and-home. It makes no sense to me. I don't see what they get out of doing this. I, I think the Nets probably lose both games. 
Right, they just want to say not only do we get to see the Nets get blown out once, we get to see them get blown out next game also by right. the same and different team. guys. The backups will get the chance to. Uh, I don't know. I just I don't know. It's stupid to me. I don't know what the NBA is looking to do when they know that their guys load manage and take rest days, and they're trying to work against that. And then you schedule these home and home back to backs, the same team facing off against the same team in each arena. Like what? What is what is the motive? And Keith, how about our Devils? Dominant goalie performance, almost almost two games in a row because we had that loss yeah. Carolina, but one goal, two games in a row. Wow, look what's changed. The Jack Hughes energy. Yeah, and I ages. saw. A... And we got a power play, finally. Almost <laughs> two. Yeah, almost two. That, that fourth goal uh, got waved off. But I saw a quote from Jack Hughes. Let me credit the reporter that put it out there. <laughs> uh, Daniel Amoya. He put a quote out from Jack Hughes that I'm guessing is is facts. He said, when we get the saves, it's much easier to win. <laughs> and, even, and even though it might not have looked it, I feel like it was just more of like a feel-good dominating performance because like, there's so many chances. You know, Devils where, you know, the goalie when, jumping out to the side. When, when the Jack front. Hughes comes out and says something like that, I know we got the update about Akira Schmidt earlier today. Um, these guys have a uphill battle to make. The playoffs. I'm not saying they can't do it, but they got to start winning all of these games right now. And Jack doesn't want to miss the playoffs. He's back. He wants to win. They got to get the goalie situation squared away with the three different guys we've seen in the goal this year. And with Jack, and with Jack Hughes, you know that's what like three plays four for these goals that he had. You're like, how that thing just go in? You know the ones he had on the side. I thought it must have been tipped in. That was a great goal, but it went off the do- back of the goalie's head. Right, you also remember that that uh, what he had the hat trick versus the Capitals. He had that you know like all the way yep. possible eagle shot, few other of those. But wanted to get to with the Super Bowl last night. I don't know. I mean, except for like overtime, which was like a little okay. It was like an okay game. I thought like the way people were making it out to be. Like I remember I heard on like you know the fan earlier that I don't remember which show it was that they think this game's going to be you know neck to neck touchdown score 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 and a great game. It was okay, really. To be honest. I, I've said it's a classic, not because of how it started, but how it ended in all the different elements of football that you saw in the game and all the different Hall of Famers that, that played in this game. Give it time. They're going to go back and talk about the coaching matchup. They're going to talk about Spags. They're going to talk about Reed. They're going to talk about Steve Wilkes. They're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan, but they're also going to talk about Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa. Chase Young, guys like top draft picks. They're going to talk about the other side. They're going to talk about Travis Kelsey, Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes, obviously Hall of Famer. Chris Jones had a hell of an impact on that game. Uh, there, there's there's a, a lot that I think over time is going to make that one an instant classic. Josh, thank you for the call. As always, 877-337-6666. Let's get back to one of the Knicks calls. Tommy is calling from Oceanside. Tommy, you're on the fan. Yeah, Keith, you, you said it before about the spread. I don't know if you've looked, but uh, take a guess what the spread was. Yeah, my guy online said it was one and a half, and they win by two off of those free throws. That looks fishy. That, if I'm, I mean, I'm bothered by it, but if I'm a Knicks fan, I can't go to sleep tonight off of the fact that that can actually happen. If I bet no, the game, I mean, I'm in protest. I'm talking to DraftKings, FanDuel, ESPN bet whoever it is that I bet with, and I'm taking it up with the commissioner of the NBA. You you said it before. You said that the refs they need to be investigated. Um, I doubt that's the case. That they 
that they knew about the spread and they wanted the Vegas. Maybe to cover investigate or them to make sure they're in they're in a sober mind. Why do you call that foul <laughs> as the buzzer is sounding? There's no reason to do that. It's a tie game. They're going to overtime. Why are you putting the guy on the line in that situation? What I'm thinking is why why aren't the Knicks allowed to challenge? I didn't I was I had the game on in the background, so I didn't know if they challenged earlier. But you get I'm pretty Somebody sure has to call challenge. me up and tell me because I'm hosting and I'm watching that game, I'm watching the Rangers, I'm watching the Devils. I guess they were out of challenges. Um yeah, were they, they out of timeout? Like I don't know. It just they, it, they that, had one timeout left, I know that. They had one timeout, and if you want a challenge, you have to have a timeout, I'm pretty sure. But there should be a rule under two minutes that if you have to have a timeout, if you want to challenge a call, to you should get be able to challenge right, the call. The most important thing is to get it right. We have replay. You just stop the end of the game, everybody waiting for you to say, oh, the game is over. Like, get it right. That was wrong. The game shouldn't have ended that way. Tommy, thanks for the call. Yeah, <laughs> the spread. Houston, one and a half. The over-under was 24.4. Obviously, the under hit. 16,790 fans in attendance, probably at least a 1,000 Knicks fans. I saw a bunch of Knicks orange and blue in the crowd, and those people that live out in Texas or travel to Houston to see the Knicks play in an arena that's not as expensive as the Garden or some of these other places, they got hoed. They got hosed. They got hoodwinked, bamboozled, absolutely jobbed. That is not right. This is professional sports. The NBA they 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 have to they have to make sure that this gets fixed and unfortunately that's it you lose a game that you came back the Knicks in that game they came back in the second half they outscored them 28-17 in the third quarter they outscored them 32-31 in the fourth quarter actually subtract 2 from that <laughs> i this is why i hate sports and i love it at the same time this shouldn't be allowed this is absolutely wrong there are kids watching that are watching this, and they're like, the kids are confused. Explain it to me like I'm five. Keith McPherson on the fan. We're still talking Super Bowl. Of course, now we have to talk about the Knicks, the officiating in the NBA. That was bogus. Let's take this break. When we come back, my Casamigos big shot of the night. 